Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with the other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out the campaign, click the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're using to listen right now. That's Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. Support also comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast and through blog posts, but now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the code READINGISRAD. That's baratbabies.com, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S.com. Offer code READINGISRAD. I've missed you. I'm realizing now talking to you, like, how much that it's bringing me back to our previous conversation. I'm just, I'm looking forward to talking now. We're going to have fun. Yes. It's <sighs> awesome. Yeah. I'm, I, it's, it's so interesting how we have talked only a handful of times, and I feel, I, I just love that. There's something there. I, I never... I never, I'll put it this way, I never know what I'm going to get going into a conversation because often I'm interviewing someone for the first time, so they're strangers to me. I like their book. It was like you with Pashmina. I really loved your book. So, if nothing else, we'll talk about your book. That's great. But you just don't <laughs> ever know what will right. come before or after these moments now, before recording. From the moment you hear someone speak to you, you begin to develop language and linguistic awareness. Children learn dialects. Some may grow up multilingual. But for all, the words we learn and the language that is spoken to us will help shape our view of the world and how we navigate through it. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 501. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Nidhi Chanani. Returning guest and author-illustrator of Shub Ratri Dost, Good Night Friend. In this new board book, two children say goodnight in both Hindi and English to all of the animals in their Indian farm home. 
There's an intimacy to sharing this moment with the characters in the book as the sun goes down and as each good night offered is accompanied by thankfulness to what gift the object has given the children. Nidhi shares at one moment in our conversation the sentiment that caring for one another can look like sharing with someone or something and notice when they are sharing with you. Please welcome my guest, Nidhi Chanani, author, illustrator of Shubhratri Dost. Good night, friend. I'm Nidhi Chanani. My pronouns are she, her. I am an artist and author living in the Bay Area. I made um, my debut graphic novel, Pashmina. I have a picture book coming out later on this year called I Will Be Fierce. And just this past month, my bilingual board book was released, which is called Shubratri Dost, or Goodnight Friend. Yay! Welcome back to the podcast, Nitty. Thank you. Oh, it's been, it feels, this is an odd feeling, it feels like it's been a while, but at the same time, it feels like it's been just a day. And I like that. I totally, yes, I feel the same way, which is nice. It is. Very it's, nice. It's welcoming. Um, so... I was so glad to get connected with Barat Babies and to see this this beautiful board book that you just released. One, because it's got your art and it's got different kind of art, right? You're working for a different audience and the, mm-hmm. the feel is different. But also, I feel like this is a good night book that breaks the mold. And I'm sure that that was intentional. One, it's a bilingual <laughs> board book. Yes. Bedside book. That definitely does a thing. But also... um just the good nights, the, the 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 cadence of the whole thing just felt different and, and really embracing and wonderful to me. So um, I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about the book itself before we get into why writing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the book, I really wanted to approach it in a way almost like comics where... There's the story in the words, but there's also the story in the picture. So I think that there are definitely, I mean, I think a lot of picture books and board books do this really well, but that was my initial idea. And when I approached Bard Babies, I said, you know, I wanted to do this goodnight book because I, our daughter is bilingual and I wanted to do something that they hadn't done before, you know, which is a bilingual book. And... I just had the simple idea of, you know, really looking, I looked at the market, of course, first, and and saw that there weren't really any good night books that were in Hindi and English. And then I just thought about what that kind of sleepy time would be, and what I like reading to my daughter when she's falling asleep. Um, You know, those kind of slow, sleepy books. And so that's, that's how I approached it. Well, to be able to go and say goodnight to all of the things around you, but to also give gifts from one to the next, mm-hmm. I thought was just so, it was so nice. It was, I, it, it's this gift of allowing others that, that peaceful night or that peaceful goodbye to say goodnight, monkey, thank you, and to offer grapes, to say Good night, cow. Good night, thirst, and to drink that milk. All of this giving, taking, this sharing. 
uh, was just something that, I mean, you can hear it in me now. I'm just smiling at how, <laughs> how, how loving and tender the story is. Thank you. That's really, that's lovely to hear. You know, I, it's one of those things where, you know, you make it and then you're not quite sure how it's going to end up <laughs> or if people will pick up on those things. So knowing that you picked up on it um, really makes me happy. And, you know, there's certain things that I just, I feel were natural to the setting, you know, to have these you know, two Indian kids in, you know, kind of like a farm setting, very Indian farm setting with the you know, different animals than we would have in a farm here and to have them really I think that that's how farms work right you take care of the animals you share with them they share with you and to incorporate that into this fairly simple good night story I think was really um, a way for me to elevate it because there's you know so many layers to when you read something like this so yeah was it always this focus on Good night. Was it always this focus on sharing? On I know on the cover of the book it says it's an animal primer, and indeed we we go through all these different animals. But is mm-hmm. that is that the way the story first came to you? Well, the story actually morphed many times, and I think that in the morphing is probably the most hands-on I was with the Bard Babies folks because initially. I had wanted to, you know, I always kind of like, I think that this is my, my challenges. I think potentially too big for what (laughs) I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to work on. And so I was like, I want to incorporate every single language that's in (laughs) India, you know, which is a very linguistically diverse country. And so I wanted to, to say goodnight in all the different languages. And I started listing them out and I sent the, you know, what I've written out to um, Sai and she was like, you know, <laughs> I think maybe, maybe this might not be, it, it might be one of those situations where you try to, to fit too much into something yes. and also because it's so linguistically diverse, I think there's always that concern of leaving somebody out. Um, or, you know, when you pick who you're picking, why you're picking those things. And so we went back and forth quite a bit initially. I had always wanted to do the good night uh, as, as the book. But then after that, I, you know, kind of just sat with it for a little bit. And I thought, you know, maybe it's really just about getting simple and taking two kids who are in India and what that would look like. Um, and so, you know, in that back and forth, when I landed on the Goodnight friend and I wrote that out, it really was very clear to me that not only would they be saying goodnight, um, to these animals, but they would be interacting with them. It's not just, you know, kind of a simple um, story of saying goodnight, but it's really interactive and, um, but but interactive in a sleepy way, you know? So, and, and so I had given notes when I sent the proposal to Sai of what each illustration would be. And we had tiny bit of back and forth um, in terms of edits, but she was, you know, she was on board and the whole team was on board from the very get go when I 
finally landed on this idea um, because it it was it was clear that this was not going to have that same, you know, um, picking and choosing or those issues. And also, like I said, I kind of go big and then <laughs> hone in on what I actually want to say and what I actually want to create. <laughs> well, the, the way it was all brought in was beautiful. And I love your color palette on this, the, the rich pinks and purples blending like that. And the, hints of orange it's just so beautiful to look at and how slowly slowly you set the sun so that the stars can come out it's just wonderful to look at but i've got to say having never read a book in hindi because i do not know that language um i (laughs) just to (laughs) make clear with the listeners um i i also (laughs) love that you have not only um the the words written out in um in how was script. it in script nice thank you um mm-hmm. you you also have oh. them written out you have them written out so that i can read the words so that i can see yep. the the symbols so that i can mm-hmm. see then the english and in that sort of sandwich that you've made it's drawn my eyes to how beautifully written these words are and in some ways and this might just be that i'm putting this onto the words because i have not because i I, i'm not familiar with that language Mm -hmm. for some reason to me a lot of the shape of some of these words specifically of um of peacock of cow Mm. of elephant those symbols look to me like those animals they look something like that I just found it to be really beautiful to pause a moment at, for example, Goodnight Elephant, and to look at that elephant closing its eyes as the boy is waving the, the mm-hmm. peacock feather fan, but then also to study those symbols. I just found it, for someone that doesn't know the language, it really, uh, it really woke me up to seeing something new. And I really liked the way that it evoked that sense uh, as well. That's wonderful to hear. I, you know, I think that as I see Hindi and I ha- are from, I'm familiar with it, I wouldn't notice that. So I love that you you took that from looking at the script and really, you know, it wasn't one of those things that you just pass over. So I love that you take the time to actually look at it. And I think that part of and tell me if I'm wrong, I think part of maybe not glossing over, I mean, oftentimes if I see something in another language that I'm not familiar with, to me, it doesn't look like anything. So I can't, I'm not taking it in. But the languages that I have studied, whether it's Hindi or, and I studied Japanese for a brief period of time, I'll try, you know, like I'll try to understand what the symbols stand for in my understanding of it absolutely. and so so it's nice to hear that and i wonder if having the the romanized hindi above it adds to that because it's not like just something that's unfamiliar but in fact you see above it it actually is something you know what i mean does that make sense i think it helps to call out the pattern Mm-hmm. Because you're saying, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, and I would love for you to correct me, but if I'm looking at Goodnight Monkey, mm-hmm. 
the mm-hmm. Romanized Hindi says Shub Ratri Bandar. Did I pronounce that mm-hmm. correctly? Shub Ratri Bandar. Shub Ratri Bandar. And yeah. beneath those three symbols, I can see being, now this is me being an adult, but I know that when I share this with my almost four-year-old, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that she's starting to study language that way as well. So I said mm-hmm. three words, there are three symbols, and beneath it I read, good night, monkey. When I read this book, I do my best to read the language, and then I, uh, in the Romanized Hindi, and then I read the English, but we're always following this pattern. And so that allowed me to see, to notice what good night is in Hindi because the symbols stay the same. And suddenly then I'm realizing that is building meaning, much like, again, Mm -hmm. my pre-reading daughter, who to her, English words, I'm sure look much like what I'm seeing in Hindi. They look like symbols that at one point we will ascribe meaning to them and sound to them. Mm -hmm. But to me right now, the Hindi is nothing but symbols because I have no meaning for what you drew. And so I think Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is ascribing meaning. It looks to me like there's a monkey tail on the symbol for monkey because I think I'm trying to draw meaning from what I'm seeing, which is telling me, oh, this is probably the beginning stages of what learning a language means that you're trying to make that connection so that you can build the memory so that next time you see that symbol, it can mean bandar. It can mean monkey. That's so beautiful. And and now, now that I'm looking at the, that, that same page, I could totally see it. And it's funny as a visual person, how I never really saw Hindi that way. And now you're changing how I'm seeing it, which is wonderful. But Nidhi, I you would know, never see English that way. Because right. all I've seen in English, I can't, I'm, I'm literally looking at that speech bubble that says goodnight monkey. And all I can see is that's a G, that's an O, that's an O, that's a D. All I can see is the letters. I can't yeah. see, I can't see it as, as one object anymore. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds, and Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast and get started today. Raise good humans one children's book at a time. That's kind of amazing. I mean, especially I think both of us have similar age kids. You know, my daughter's just starting to write letters and I came into the room one day and she had written all of the letters that she knew over and over and over again in different arrangements. And I was surprised because I hadn't ever seen her write that much before. And so I immediately turned to my husband and I said, did you write this? And he said, no, that's not my writing. And I looked at it and for her, you know, I I was asking her what she was writing and she said, I made a grocery list. (laughs) And, and, and then, 
And then she was telling me what they meant to her, you know, and, and they're obviously not, they were L's and E's and I's, um, all the things with straight lines, which is what she's being taught in school. And then I started noticing when she was noticing things. So she was starting to identify similar shapes. And so I think it's really quite fascinating that this is now kind of, well, not now, but you know, when you're learning language, you're right. It, it, it's building off this familiarity with something visual, you know, you, it's an association and until it means G O O D, you know, it's just a drawing, I suppose. It is. It's just a symbol that, right. that we, we are the ones that ascribe that meaning. It's, it, it's, it's fascinating. And I think it's so really? cool to then have a bilingual book where the language looks so different from if I was reading this, if this is a Spanish book or a Spanish English mm-hmm. bilingual book, we're sharing many of the same letters. And so it would look pretty similar, but yep. being, being something that looks more symbol based, more character based, uh, characters that are, that are not used in English language. It just, it awakens something and, that's nice. It's just nice. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I think it's interesting what you touch upon, which is something that I thought about a lot in making this book and looking into, you know, because we're trying, we're trying to build our uh, bilingual cl- collection. And most of the stuff, if it's bilingual, it won't have this Romanized Hindi above. Um, it'll just have the Hindi and the English. And for me, it was a point of access for my husband, who does not speak Hindi, but actually understands a lot of it, but wouldn't be able to sit and read something like this. And so that was an, a, you know, an, an additional reason. I wanted families like ours that are have two different languages or three different languages or whatever it is, but to have some point of commonality. So I see that that, you know, the, you know, Shivratri Bandar that's above that that's where the two languages are meeting. And then beneath it are where the two languages are separate, you know? So it, all that's in, encompassed in that one word balloon. Oh. And so I like that because I feel that that is, that's what we are as a family. You know, that's what we're moving towards as a culture. But because Hindi has the script versus Spanish or other Roman languages, there's there's a definite um you know gap in the market because it's not as easy to just put it into the book um people aren't as familiar with it even though there's millions of people that are speaking these languages so i think that's a that's an interesting point that you know because there's the same alphabet we can make it through these things easier and in some ways by doing what I've done in this, I'm hoping to kind of bridge that gap, you know, to make it more accessible. I think so. I think (laughs) too, I love, I love that it feels a bit of, I don't know, it just feels a little silly to call it an animal primer in, in the way that it causes me to think of all of the other books that I've read that I would 
say, oh, yeah, this is an animal primer because I read a lot of board books to my kid. And it's animal right. after animal after animal. But they never advertise animal primer. And then this book that shares that it's an animal primer is so much more. I just love how <laughs> open it is. They're like, well, of course we're going to talk about the animals, but that's not the only thing in our world. So from cows, we get milk. So we're going to say goodnight thirst. From this, we get that. We're going to acknowledge that as well. I love the, um, the wait, I got to find it. Oh, yeah, um, where um, the child makes the feathers. Oh, let me point out that the feather fan made from these peacock feathers are also, you, you make it a point to show these peacock feathers lying on the ground. So it's not to, I don't know, imply that, you know, you just, to make a peacock fan, you just kind of pull the feathers out of their tushes or something. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that that was not confused because, <laughs> I mean, those are the things, right, that you think about because you're like, I don't really want this to in some inadvertent way. Right. <laughs> so that cause kids to go, I'm going to go pluck some feathers from a peacock. But it is that um, one thing informing the other. You say goodnight, peacock. And mm -hmm. then as the other child is being um, fanned, it's good night heat, right? We're passing yep. it off that way. Um, I love that that it is good night dog, as as the sister says it. But then on the next page, as you said earlier, it becomes good night friend. Mm -hmm. That here we have the same thing can have two different names, mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. that relationship to language is something here that just that just fits. I'm glad that as you worked and wrestled with it and all that, that that happened because then that beautiful thing with the final spread occurs where for all that has happened, you pull the camera back and you set it sort of back behind where the children are sleeping so that we can see the rest of that farmyard. And we see all of the animals and we see the pond that we had visited earlier. We see all of the gate where we were, the fence. We see all of these things all together uh, sometimes literally together, the cow and the peacock laying together, mm -hmm. um, and the sister and the brother there together. Um, and you see things <laughs> together and apart. It's just to see everything in relation. Um, it could just as easily be, I guess why I'm trying to say it is that it could just as easily be a relationship primer. Mm. That's space, really I mean, maybe that was you, that was you in the, the story that, that that came out of you, but it's something that that I see. So I want to make sure we we affirm that because it's really something beautiful. And we're talking about a board book. May we, <laughs> may we not ever lose wonder in that that this is happening with with our youngest readers, our pre readers, that mm -hmm. this is getting to happen in front of them. So maybe that's where I want to take the question next. I think you sort of already answered it, but. But you went from a, a middle grade graphic novel to writing a board book to our youngest of readers. Why go from one to the other? Was it solely because of your daughter or do you just find that that, that age, maybe I'm talking for myself, that age sort mm -hmm. of has a bit of charm. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an... I mean, I was guilty of this before my daughter, but now we have an insane amount of books. Um, and, it, and I, I have, I, I just, I actually, 
I'm like stumbling over my words because I want to say that I'm getting better at it, but I don't actually think that I am. I am just giving myself the ability to just buy as many books as we want. And one of the things that she asks for the most are books. And so we're surrounded by board books. We're surrounded by picture books. And I think that it's not just because, and I've been collecting picture books before she came around. Um, and so I think that my desire to do this book, of course, was influenced by her. But beyond that, I think it was the idea of taking charge of what I wanted to, to create and just doing it without a lot of There's a lot of process that comes to pass when you're pitching a major publisher. And this is the kind of book that I wanted to do with the right publisher who wouldn't push back and wouldn't necessarily ask me to do something that wouldn't make sense for what my vision was. And when I looked at the things that Powered Babies was creating, I thought, hmm, maybe they would be the right place. And I often get, I have a lot of ideas. I think everybody <laughs> does, but it's about ex executing them, right? And oh, when yes. I thought about how I wanted to execute this idea, they had sent me a tweet maybe a few years ago, and it was pretty just, you know, no pressure. If you ever want to do something with us, let me know. And it was just there, and it wasn't, until years, potentially, I don't remember when she sent that, um, that I just sent her an email. And I said, listen, I want to do this, a bilingual book. This is my idea. And we had a conversation back and forth about the idea when we landed on Goodnight Friend. She was like, all right, so what's your schedule like? You know, it was just that easy. And there's so, I think there was a variety of things going on with what I wanted to do with this book. I've always wanted to illustrate picture books, write my own, but I didn't necessarily have the time and I still don't, <laughs> um, to do the, uh, you know, 32 page picture book. What I do have time to do is something like this where, you know, it's 16 spreads, um, and, or sorry, 16 pages and, I could still tell a substantial story. You, you've, you know, talked a lot about the different things that I put into it, but it wasn't something where I would need to take a whole swath of time to think about it and, and, um, you know, rework the manuscript and pitch it and all of those processes that to a certain extent I feel gets in the way of the art making, right? I think that there are certain things that are necessary within that process, but there are also certain barriers that come up that end up taking away that joy and that fire you have to create this thing that you really, and I knew with Barb Babies, I wouldn't lose that fire. Well, if there's, if there's not a better way to follow your heart and let the let the art come from that place. Uh, you, Nitty, just, <laughs> you just summed it up. And that's that's beautiful. I'm glad that they were the right fit. I'm glad that 
um, that, that this was the right story. This was the right opportunity. I'm glad it got to happen. I'm grateful as, as ever. Uh, I'm grateful to the universe for how books <laughs> come across different people's desks and that, that this one came across mine because I mean, I can be a grown adult with a near four-year-old and tell you that I valued this story because it taught and showed me something about the world, about a different culture, about a language that I didn't know. Uh, and in that small way made me a better person. And that's what it's all about, these kind of books and how important they are to be in the world. And Nitty, you're doing beautiful stuff. And I was trying so hard to not say this, but I'm just going to say you should do like five more board books just like this. <laughs> Go all in. You said there's a hole in the market. Let's fill the hole with awesome, beautiful, gorgeous board books from you. But that's selfish. I just, I just really do admire what you do. I admired what you did with Pashmina, how beautiful that graphic novel is and just how powerful that story was and to see you storytelling in a different format to a different audience and have the same tenderness and sincerity and, and earnestness and uh, just care for your readers is something that is undeniable and something I value so, so much about you. I feel like I don't even know what to say. Thank you so much. That is just, I, I can't, I have no response to that, but I really, the way that you have read my work, and I think the way you probably read all the work that comes across um, your hands is so special. You know, it's a kind of way that we hope somebody's going to pay attention to the things that we put into our work so i just have to say thank you thanks for thanks for this and thanks for taking the time to you know i mean and also i don't know why it never occurred to me but i'm really happy that you tried to say the hindi words you know i i think that you know it's, it's interesting when i think about the market and you think about who's going to buy the book and who's going to support the book. You tend to think of the people, especially in a situation like this, when you're talking about a bilingual book, the people that speak the language. And then there are people who don't speak the language who come to the language or come to the book because of the art or because whatever reason, you know, because it comes across their hands and they make that attempt. And that's like, I don't know. That's magic. Because like you said, it's not a language you're familiar with. Yet there you are sharing it, saying it out loud, probably for the first time and sharing it with your your child. That's amazing to me. I, I, will I, tell love you, that. I will tell you honestly that I was just as afraid to say it to you as I was to her. Because <laughs> going back to actually the uh, another thing that we said, because of wanting to make sure I got it right, mm -hmm. knowing that I, I, I will mess up because I yep. don't speak this language and I have never spoken this language, but those words are on the page. It is, mm -hmm. it is left there for me to read and therefore 
My calling as a reader is to read those words and to try. You have left an invitation for us to try. And that's our job as readers is to try. And you said about recognizing your book. And I would go that other way as well, that I feel like it's my job to try for, for my readers, for my students, that, that I've got to work to make sure that I speak my truth about what I see in these books that come across my table, but also that, that I see them and I see them reading these books in here. And uh, I don't know, you know, every, every, every time that we read new books like this, we get these lights shining down on something we don't know before. And so we have to decide to step into the light or to avoid it. Um, and when we step into the light, mm -hmm. it might show all those things we don't know. It might expose all these things we don't know, but, but I can't possibly be serving children and be hiding from the light. That's not where I want to be. So, you know, you put yeah. this book in front of me. I'm going to read it to you <laughs> and I'm going to mess up. And I'm grateful that I know you're a person that will love me through messing up because I'm trying. And I'm grateful that you see that in not just me, but in all your readers. And I know you do. And so why don't we, why don't we yeah. here, Nitty? Why don't we go to that library full of children that, you know, I'll see tomorrow morning for that last message. Is there a message that you would like for me to bring to them? Mm. books are your friends I don't know I, that's how I feel about them so if that's a message that is worth sharing you know I think that that's like you know the title of the book I guess you know um, in a way this is goodnight friend this is the characters but it's also this book you know I see these books as friends. This is Claire Lorden, author and illustrator of Lorenzo the Pizza Loving Lobster and illustrator of Over at the Construction Site. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winter in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. 
teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.